Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, we are drawing to a close of a month and a bit of prayer. Uh, This commenced in August and uh, it will wrap up next week. And next week I'm just uh, digging into one of the Apostle Paul's prayers to help us understand how we can effectively pray for others. And that's, you know, we are called to intercession. We are called to be at prayer for others. And so I want to give us something very practical next week. Uh, If you're not aware, we produced this at the start of August accompanying our month of prayer And uh, this is just something that will be a resource that is constantly available. I I think there are some copies down the back on the Yes Desk. Otherwise, they are on the information board there. You can find these. Uh, And we encourage you just to make this a companion to your quiet time. We have the Word of God and in this uh, just some really, really helpful tools uh, to equip us to pray effectively. And so you can grab one of those. And again, they will constantly be available. And uh, today we're uh, uh, our second last morning on this topic before we move on to other things and then the countdown to Christmas. Oh, yes. Who's excited about Christmas? Oh, yeah, there's some diehard Christmas people down the back there and I'm not related to any of them. (laughs) This morning, though, Um, I want to help us understand a really simple truth, and it's this. It's okay to wrestle with God. God can handle it. He's got broad shoulders. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to take our frustrations to God. When we just don't know what's going on, when things catch us off guard, take us by surprise, didn't see this coming, those moments in life where we just go, what on earth is going on right now? It's okay to take that stuff to God. Because one of the worst things that we can do in times of uncertainty is to withdraw from God. And actually, this is the point of resistance for a lot of people when it comes to God. They have so many questions, so much lived experience that says, well, life to this point has given me no evidence that there is a God who loves me and cares for me. And at this point, we withdraw on the basis of all of the things that we have no answers for. When what we should be doing is pressing into God with that stuff, not using, it, and not using it as an excuse to disengage, but rather say, God, I'm just living my life transparently before you. I don't know what's going on, but I've got to trust you with this stuff. And it's okay wrestling with God, but take it to him. And I want to look at a circumstance in God's word today that would leave any single one of us questioning God saying hey God what is going on right now this is not supposed to be 
how things should be working out. And this particular story is a, a common theme that we sometimes pick up, but it's the wrestle that David has with King Saul. David trying his hard, just his best, his hardest, just to be faithful to what God has called him to do. I'm going to pick it up from 1 Samuel 24 and 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So here we have the young David doing his best to serve God. If you're familiar with the story, just a few years earlier, the last of Israel's judges, a guy named Samuel, had poured oil on David's head and actually anointed him as the future king of Israel. Saul the one pursuing David in the desert, was Israel's first king. But as you read the story of Saul, he is this insecure guy. He is tormented. He is demented. He is incredibly jealous. And under God's direction, Samuel finds David and anoints David to be Saul's future successor. Now, I don't know how David would have felt in that moment. It would have been incredibly daunting. But there's another element where it would have been just incredibly honoring as well. And the day that Samuel anointed David to be a future king, that would have been an amazing day. But here's the thing. The journey for David from that place of being anointed future king to David actually sitting on the throne wasn't a series of good days. It was a series of absolutely terrible days. And friends, perhaps here is a lesson for us today. Sometimes there's a bit of a trap when we think about the future. We think about where we would like to be, 
or God places a vision in our heart and we, we see the fulfilment of that and how good is that and we live in that future place. And we can play it out in our minds how we think that that whole thing is going to pan out where we might be in five or ten years' time. But when we paint that picture in our minds, we're all probably guilty of this. We glamorize it and we make it all a series of good days. It's just going to be win after win after win after win after win after win. We seem to at least far less ponder the struggles, the obstacles, the pains, the heartaches, the disappointments that actually just a part of life but also a defining part of our calling. They all happen on the way to going where God wants us to be. And when trouble comes, sometimes it can be so derailing because we never anticipated that the road to get to where God wants me to be is going to have some bumps along the way. And then we start questioning ourselves. We start questioning God. We start thinking of a plan B. And friends, here's the thing. Everybody really wants to know what God wants me to be doing. Yes, I want God to direct my life. But I think if God actually revealed to us what He has to take us through in order for us to get to be where God wants us to be, I think we'd all look for a plan B. So here we have David anointed to be future king with that promise of God ringing in his ears and yet the journey to get there is an absolute nightmare. And his number one enemy has become Saul, the current king. And Saul has just become so obsessed with taking David out. And as you read the story, you start to see how incredibly insecure and threatened and jealous and deranged Saul was becoming. And yet we have David. And all David is doing is being faithful to what God has called him to do. And yet it seems all that has done is put a price tag on his head. And here's the beautiful thing about David's heart and David's faith. He maintains his integrity. And we see it in this occasion where, Paul is, uh, where Saul is re, re, uh, re, relieving himself in the cave. David refuses to take matters into his own hands. And he says, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. That, that is just a moment of incredible integrity. And he's got all of his men looking on. They're going, David, here is the chance. Here is the opportunity. Take the opportunity. But David stays true, maintains his integrity and says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. God has anointed me. 
God has made the promise and I trust that God will get me through to where I need to be. Now, as the story plays out, David actually had the opportunity to kill Saul not once but twice. Both times, Saul makes promises to David. Hey, dude, you've spared me. I'm not going to harm you. You've maintained your integrity. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to pursue you anymore because you've spared my life twice. In fact, we read this from Saul in 1 Samuel 24 and 17. You are more righteous than I, he said. You've treated me well, but I've treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord gave me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was David, given the history, that would have been a point of incredible relief. It's like, oh, at last, my enemies had a change of heart and things are finally going to change. But friends, if we've lived life long enough, we learn sometimes perceived victories can be really short-lived. Maybe at that point for David, feeling the fight is over, feeling a sense of relief, got really excited about it. But as it's been perhaps for some of us, <laughs> the excitement's short-lived and it all kind of just falls apart. And we feel like God's just opened a door, but then suddenly he slams it shut. For us today, maybe it's been in regards to a relationship, a job, in regards to finances, whatever it might be. If we have faced those disappointments where we thought I was heading in one direction and now God shut the door, you've got to know you're not alone. The window of relief for David was really, really short. Saul made this promise to David in chapter 24. Two chapters later, He's pursuing him to take him out again. And if you read the rest of the story, it doesn't get any better anytime soon. I wonder if for David, there were times where he just felt like I'm just banging my head against a brick wall here. And, and, and crying out to God, God, what is going on right now? I don't get it. I try to do the right thing, but in pursuing what I think is the right thing, Things right now seem to be worse than they were before. I'm no better off. Now, we actually don't have to guess that that's what David was thinking because David actually pours his heart out in the Psalms. You know, a third of the Psalms are actually laments. This is David pouring his heart out to God. So what does all of this have to do with prayer? Well, simply, friends, the lesson for us to take home today is this. It's okay to wrestle with God. The Psalms show us it is okay to be real about our feelings as we take stuff to God. When we're frustrated with God, it's okay to tell God. When we're angry, it's okay to, to say that too. It's okay to wrestle with God. 
And in Psalm 13, we read one of these most awesome, raw moments where David takes his wrestle to God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's pretty real, isn't it? Pretty brutal. But here is David, probably wants to go home, but he can't. Doesn't know who he can, he can trust. He certainly can't trust Saul's words or promises. He's got 600 men look at him, looking at him saying, well, what next, David? You had the opportunity to take him out and you didn't do it. Where to next? If you'd killed Saul when you had the opportunity, we wouldn't still be stuck out here hiding in caves in the desert. We'd be back home with our families. David had told his men, guys, God is going to make a way. But so far, God hasn't made a way. And the men are suspecting that David has actually missed the way that God had made. And four times in two verses in this Psalm 13, David asks the question, how long? How long, God, will this situation go on? How long, Father, are you going to forget about the problems that are before me? And I love how the message version translates this. It says, long enough, God. You've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough, I've carried this ton of trouble, lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. Take a good look at me, God, my God. I want to look life in the eye so no enemy can get the best of me or laugh when I fall on my face. And friends, again, it's okay to wrestle with God. I'm sure all of us at one point, if we've walked life and walked the faith journey for any length of time, there's going to be that moments where we just say, God, what is going on? How long, God, is this going to continue? Why does it seem like, uh, you know, your, your face is turned from me instead of toward me? How long have I got to put up with this? But here is the wonderful example from David that we need to press into. Don't withdraw from God in the midst of struggles and uncertainty. Instead, press in to God. We've got to grow and we've got to learn in those times of uncertainty. If we don't, even after the trials have passed, we're still not, uh, not going to learn anything. You know, nothing is wasted in God. God redeems every pain. God redeems every uncertainty. God redeems every failure. God redeems every question. We've just got to be honest with God and saying, God, I'm giving this to you. And maybe one of the reasons that we sometimes disconnect from God in tough times 
is because we have a wrong focus or a wrong expectation. Because the focus of our joy, the focus of contentment needs to be God himself, not the things that we want God to provide. If our joy is based in the stuff that God wonderfully provides for us, then when there is no provision, that joy is going to vanish. But if the focus of our joy, if the focus of our security and our peace in times of uncertainty is just God then that's going to build strength within us. That is going to give us the confidence to persevere because it's not based on circumstance, it's based on who God is. And Father, I don't know what's going on, but I worship you. I thank you for your goodness. This is not a mystery to you. It's taken me by surprise. It doesn't take you by surprise. And God, I trust you in the midst of this. As I've said in previous messages, we must learn to love God simply for who He is, not for what He does. We worship God's person, not God's performance. Now the other danger in times of uncertainty, and it was a great temptation for David, was to take matters into our own hands. And we've got to be so careful when we're facing pain points that we don't try to shortcut what God is doing. And here is David probably feeling like he's going to die in the desert, feeling like his enemies are laughing at him. But in Psalm 13, David doesn't just wallow in pity. No, he, just, he takes his frustration to God. He takes his confusion to God. He takes his heartache to God. And he's just being real with God. But when I read that psalm earlier, I deliberately left off the last two verses. Because here's where it flips. And here they are. Psalm 13 and 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Two things David does here. He doesn't wallow in self-pity. First thing he does is he reminds God and reminds himself of his salvation. And friends, the reality is the deepest pains of this life are going to be quickly forgotten when we face God in that place of perfection. And I sometimes amuse myself by thinking the conversations that we'll be having 100,000 years into eternity. And you bump into somebody and go, I remember you. Now, you've got to have a wild imagination. I remember you. You used to hang out in Olverston, didn't you? Went to banjos. How old were you when you died? Oh, golly, that's a long time ago. 
wouldn't have a clue. And all the pains, all the struggles, all the heartaches of this life will pale into insignificance given the grandeur and the awesomeness of a perfect eternity. And that perspective, friends, cures the demand for justice. God is an unjust God because of this and because of this and because of this. How is God a God of love? And we have all of these questions that are impossible to answer. That in the face of eternity will no longer demand an answer. Because we suddenly realize the fulfillment of all that Christ accomplished for us. And I don't mean to make light of any struggles that you are facing right now. But the reality is, eternity cures the heartache of unanswerable questions in this life. And none of that's in my notes. You got that one for nothing. So he reminds himself of his salvation. And then secondly, he also encouraged himself by reminding himself of how faithful God had been in his past. He remembered perhaps as a young shepherd boy of how, of how he went up against a lion, how he went up against a bear, how God strengthened him. And then in the face of this undefeatable foe, the giant Goliath, how God delivered him. Great victory. And maybe he's sitting there remembering that day that Samuel anointed him. The promise that God made yet to be fulfilled. And he's going, God, I'm trusting in the God who has delivered me in the past to deliver me now, to propel me towards the future that he has promised for me. And it probably seems like an impossibility in the face of what he was currently facing. But instead of doubting, he trusts the nature of God, the character of God, the Word of God, and the promises of God. And he starts this prayer, this Psalm 13, with brutal honesty. How long, God? This doesn't feel good right now. But he comes out the other end of that prayer, at the other end of that Psalm, simply praising God. I think I said it last week in the message. One of the remarkable things about prayer is not necessarily the outcome that we were hoping for, prayers to be answered. One of the remarkable things about prayer is that it changes us. Friends, can I encourage you, if you're in a dark place right now, wrestling with God, never forget those wonderful experiences in life where you know that you know that you know that God broke through in that moment. And the God who broke through there is the same God who is with me today. And he will bring me a breakthrough today. He will bring me a breakthrough in the future. Nothing like dwelling on where God has brought you from to find hope in the midst of whatever it is you're facing right now. And the question we ask ourselves, we must ask, Will I trust God when I don't understand God? Will I trust God in the midst of trials, in the midst of frustration? Will I trust Him in the midst of anger and disappointment? Will I trust Him in the midst of grief? And friends, I, I, I can't tell you how long it will be before your situation changes. 
I can't tell you how much persevering and wrestling you're going to have to do with God. I can't even promise that things are going to turn out the way that you hope they will. I can only promise that God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm walking this journey with you. And I'm with you to the end, no matter what the end looks like. That you might sing in the same way that David did in Psalm 13 and 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. And as David came to experience that all those other situations in the past that threatened my life, even the threats that he was facing right now, none of them came to pass. All the threats in his past, they all came, they all went. God was with me. And suddenly this young man who was downcast, who was fearing his life, goes to God in prayer to wrestle with God. How long, God? How long? How long? Suddenly the song turns and he sings, All of my life, God's been faithful. All my life, God has been good to me. Now, I reckon if there were some of his men sitting around him in the cave as he's singing and writing this song, I wonder if they're thinking, mate, how on earth can he sing that song hiding out in the middle of a cave in the desert with a murderous king wanting to take him out? How can he possibly sing that song? But David had come to understand the, 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 the faithfulness of God. He'd come to understand God's steadfast love. And he knew that God his, was for him. And ultimately, he knew the joy of his salvation. Now, here's the really cool thing. And most of us know the story. David didn't die in the desert at the hands of Saul. True to God's plan, David spent 40 years on the throne of Israel. But even when David at times wrestled with that journey, that place of being anointed to the fulfillment of the promise, even though he wrestled with the journey, even though that journey was full of roadblocks and threats and danger and uncertainty, every word God gave to David, God turned into a reality according to God's purpose in God's time. And friends, we've got to recognize that no matter how uncertain life can seem, it's okay to wrestle with God in prayer. Take it to God. And maybe in your brutal honesty, that'll be one of the most rich and deep and meaningful times of prayer because all of that stuff that you've been withholding, all of the stuff that's caused you a withdrawal from God, instead, it's like, God, I'm going to dump this on you 
because I'm struggling right now. And to be just real. Just be real with God. He can handle it. And He, he knows your heart anyway. So He just wants you to be honest. Give it to Him as we should so that He can break through. And first of all, gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. But then secondly, lead us on a journey where we can look back and go, you know what, as much as that hurt, it actually propelled me towards where I needed to be in God. Make sense? Just be honest with God and at the same time, recognize that as we place our trust in Him, He promises to direct our paths. Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And God says, I will faithfully bring you to where you need to be. Maybe the journey is not going to be what you anticipate. There will be things that catch you by surprise. Just remember, it never takes God by surprise. And then as we press into Him, as we wrestle with Him, we also declare His faithfulness. And it's a place of great security just to be, well, God, I don't necessarily like what's going on. I don't know how all this is going to play out. But my security is in the fact that I trust you. I trust you in the midst of this. And when we give that to God, it's the place of breakthrough. It's the place of breakthrough. Don't take matters into your own hands. Give it to God. It's a place of breakthrough. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Most of us know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe there's rockiness on the way. There's things that are going to be pain points, but we grow in those places. Our character is defined in those places. Maturity comes in those places. Strength comes. Life lessons that we pass on to others all come in those pain points. And we say, God, you are faithful. You are faithful.